0: Welcome to the Not All Better Show. I'm Paul Boglezang and this is episode number 456. When the U.S. and world economies collapsed into the Great Depression in 1929, creatives of all kinds faced a bleak future. The Jazz Age was dead. Among government programs designed to spur the economy back to life, President Franklin Roosevelt included the Federal Writers Project and the Federal Arts Project. No one expected anything from either of these two American programs, and certainly no one expected an American renaissance. Yet, FDR said, 100 years from now, my administration will be known for its art, not its relief. And yet another quote I love for many reasons is, somebody once said, That the great oxygen of the U.S. is optimism. What happens if we can't breathe or eat or go to work or go outside? We need the arts.
1: Zora Neale Hurston was working with the Federal Writers Project and had come to a Turpentine camp in Florida, hoping to find kernels of Florida's black folk culture, the stories and songs that people share with each other to record for posterity. Her visit was part of the largest cultural experiment ever. The Federal Writers Project was a small corner of the much larger Works Progress Administration launched by Franklin Roosevelt in 1935. Like the rest of the WPA, the Writers Project aimed to help people who were desperate for jobs when nearly a third of American families were hit by unemployment. Recruited from the millions of jobless, WPA writers drove back roads collecting information about American history and how Americans lived then, details about battles and landmarks but also about local histories and festivals and lore. They were foot soldiers in an army against the depression. From the start, Hurston and the rest of this army stirred up strong reactions. People questioned why any kind of writing deserved public support. In many places, introducing yourself as a WPA writer could raise hackles and end an interview on the spot. In the Southwest, they became known as El Diablo a Pie, the devil on foot. In Washington, D.C., some months before Hurston's trip, a very different interview had taken place. The Congressional Hearing Room on Capitol Hill had the air of public theater. A congressman asked the witness if it were her agency's policy, quote, to array class against class and to encourage class hatred. Yes, replied Louise Lazelle, a former administrator for the Writers Project. The congressman added, From your experience and contacts and observations, do you feel that the Federal Writers Project is being converted into an agency to spread communism throughout the United States? This was Congressman Martin Dyes from East Texas. Dyes had broken with FDR and the New Deal, and he was not alone in his suspicions about its values. A Gallup poll taken that fall of 1939 found that three out of four Americans approved of his investigation. The people working on the writer's project were addressing the question of American values from a different vantage point. Each side held a different view of what exactly American meant. Leaders on each side branded the other's tactics as un-American. What did that mean? And how had a country that had rallied together for a war against the Depression a few years earlier come to such a turn? I'll just add a, a few words. When we interviewed historian Douglas Brinkley for the documentary film, That goes with the book. He said, Somebody once said that the great oxygen of the United States is optimism. Well, if that's the case, what happens when the oxygen gets depleted, when you can't really breathe anymore, and you're just worried about where your next meal is going to come from? That,
0: of course, is our guest today, David A. Taylor, who will be appearing via Zoom at the Smithsonian Associates presentation titled Creativity in Dark Times, Artists and Writers of the New Deal. Check out our website for Zoom details. Artists and writers comprise the Federal Writers Project and produce scores of travel guidebooks, histories, and a trove of thousands of life histories, including the narratives of former slaves. Artists supported by the government-produced landscapes, murals, street scenes, portraits, sculptures, and abstracts author David Taylor looks at some of these artists and writers for whom the government's programs gave them a new purpose, recording American life. Some later ranked among the most creative minds of the 20th century as screenwriters, poets, best-selling novelists, and artists. They included recipients of the National Book Award, the National Medal of Arts, and the Nobel Prize for Literature. David A. Taylor will discuss with us how, in focusing on America, these artists could stir controversy. They were seen in censored travel books, they were banned from doing work, and they were banned from doing murals that were denounced by citizens' committees, even up to the present time. By tracing how these artists and works cut against the grain of public opinion and convention, David A. Taylor examines art's power in shifting American identities. David A. Taylor teaches writing at Johns Hopkins University and was lead writer and co-producer of the Smithsonian Channel documentary, Soul of a People, Writing America's Story. Please join me in welcoming to the Not Old Better Show via internet phone, David A. Taylor. David A. Taylor, welcome to the program
1: thanks so much Paul
0: this is really going to be a special interview I'm looking forward to this the title of course of your upcoming presentation is going to be the, uh, at the Smithsonian Associates it's going to be a Zoom event and it's Creativity in Dark Times Artists and Writers of the New Deal tell us a little bit about this upcoming Smithsonian Associates presentation it's going to be via Zoom so it's going to be a little bit different but give us a sense as to what you're going to talk about there
1: Yes, it, it will be a little uh, different, um, but I've been so impressed by how the organizers have adapted to making uh, mine and other events in this series uh, engaging by Zoom. Um, this will be—I will be talking about uh, New Deal artists and writers' uh, stories of how they navigated the Depression, um, both from my book *Soul of a People*. Uh, and from um, works from artists whose paintings are in the Smithsonian Galleries. Um, so we will be looking at photos and uh, along with those stories and uh, be sharing um, film and audio clips um, that kind of get you inside those experiences. And we'll have a Q&A. Um, and so I'm looking forward to a lively discussion.
0: I'm looking forward to this, too. I think this is going to be great. I think the subject is just... Um... So relevant and, and apropos for our time. And and so I wonder if you'd tell us a little bit about some of those artists, perhaps their names, give us some of those names. We'll, we'll likely know many of them. And then maybe tell us what some of the artists did following their work with the Federal Writers Project.
1: Yeah, sure. No, I'd be happy to. It, uh, I think it, it's surprising um, because uh, this project that started as uh, something for people who needed the work um, was such a pivotal uh, step for many people who became later uh, famous. So uh, John Cheever, um, who became uh, well-known in the 50s for some of his novels and then uh, more famous later for things like uh, the Wapshot Chronicle and um, and the novel that I knew him for, Falconer. Um, Ralph Ellison, uh, who whose book uh, Invisible Man uh, became one of the, Top novels of the twentieth century, as, as uh, the Library of Congress notes on its list, um, Richard Wright, another African American author who uh, really found his voice with the with the project. His novel Native Son um, was written while he was uh, a WPA writer, both in Chicago and later in New York. Uh, and in nineteen forty, it became a, a best-selling book. So he was he by that point was no longer on the project. Um, but it, it provided a great boost for him. But others uh, you wouldn't might not expect: Saul Bellow, uh, later Nobel Prize winner um, poet Gwendolyn, Gwendolyn Brooks, uh, and uh, poet Conrad Aiken. Uh, Gwendolyn Brooks was um, uh, famous later. May Swenson was another uh, a poet who became known as one of the best uh, poets in the 20th century. Um, she was straight out of college. She had come, uh, her family were, uh, her parents were Swedish immigrants um, who had settled in rural Utah as Mormon um, uh, converts. And uh, May was one of 10 children. She graduated from college. She went to New York to make her way in books. She found her really her identity in books, but she didn't have a way of getting a publishing job. But uh, she got a job on the Writer's Project. She began interviewing people um, in the that series of um, life history interviews that the, the Writer's Project did. And so by the 1950s, um, she uh, continued to uh, submit her poems, and she became... Um, she, she gained a following as a as a great poet at that point. Others like uh, short story writer Eudora Welty um, was uh, also. She was actually a, a photographer, uh, sort of a publicity uh, in the publicity staff of the uh, Writers Project in uh, Mississippi. So there were quite a number. Um, some even uh, Zora Neale Hurston in Florida, um, whose probably most famous novel, Their Eyes Were Watching God. Uh, came out just before uh, she had to start get a job on the Writers Project. Um, people weren't buying so many books in the '30s, so it re- didn't. Uh, you know, she relied on the project to get her through.
0: Those are some names: uh, John Cheever, Saul Bellow, Eudora Welty, um, uh, and and it's it's Zora. Neil Hurston, I think, we'll put up names. That's right. Yeah, good. Thank you. That's a name I wasn't too familiar with, but uh, we'll certainly put up those names so that people can find out more in the show notes. I think many in our audience will know those names. They're also going to know the, the program, the Roosevelt's program, the WPA, but maybe not the Arts Project itself. So let's dive into the program a little bit. What was produced uh you know, who, who was doing what within the program? And then maybe I think importantly, how was all this received by the public?
1: Uh, That's a, that's a really good question. I mean, there was, um, initially there was, uh, yeah, conflicted feelings in the public about this, these type of work projects. Uh, And so the biggest one was the works progress administration. Um, And that was, Geared towards creating public works that people could see, so dams, school buildings, roads. These were things that uh, these were public goods that were visible. Um, It wasn't until a group of writers actually protested in New York, saying we need these jobs too, um, that there was kind of a constituency for creating uh, this much smaller Federal Writers Project and the Federal Art Project and Federal Music Project. Um, and those were smaller scale, but they were uh, designed to give um, white-collar and creative workers uh, tasks within the uh, New Deal um, mandate of reflecting America and and creating a cultural um, outlet for Americans to find uh, things that that uh, that spoke to them. And so uh, it took a, a while for them to figure out. Well, what is What's what's a a good way of harnessing these energies that will be um, publicly acceptable? And they decided on um, uh, guidebooks to the states and cities that would be um, both for travel guides. So the the idea was that they would uh, boost the economic. Um, uh, prospects through tourism. And so by having a, a guidebook that showed you what to see in uh, Nebraska, for example, and what tour routes to drive around, uh, this was a first for America, believe it or not. The only tour guides at that point were a couple of um, uh, European guidebooks from the teens that were far out of date and that were not uh, from an American perspective. So um, so you have Uh, Hired uh, writers in each state um, who are looking up local histories, and they're writing up these um, tour guides and and driving routes to say, "This is what you want to see if you come here." Um, So there was initially a lot of skepticism in the public about what this uh, would look like. Why would you know? But already people were skeptical of giving work because it was not in the tradition of American government to uh, employ people on this scale and certainly not people who were otherwise unemployed. I mean, to get on the Writers Project, uh, it was not like getting a grant from the NEH, uh, the National Endowment for the Humanities. This was you had to prove that you were broke and that you had no job and no means of of paying your rent. Um, And so it was not a prestigious So applying for it was, for many people who had had jobs in publishing, uh, it was a matter of shame to have to rely on this kind of um, make work job. Uh, People who were fresh out of college or who had been nurses or uh, clerks who saw it as an opportunity just to get a paycheck uh, were less, you know, Ashamed about it, they saw it as an opportunity to, to make their livelihood. Um, So it was a mix of reactions Uh, when they did to do polls of uh, the public sentiment towards the WPA. They found it was both uh, (laughs) one of the most popular uh, points of the the New Deal and also one of the most unpopular. So it was a real lightning rod.
0: We are with author. David A. Taylor. David A. Taylor will be presenting "Creativity in Dark Times: Artists and Writers of the New Deal." David A. Taylor, I want to I want to talk to you a little bit about some of those stories, perhaps some of the local histories that you referred to in in your last answer. These certainly weren't prestigious positions, but what did it feel like uh, for some of these people? They were reporting almost on their own communities, and. Um, and maybe share with us a little bit of the shame and the humiliation that, that they felt as a result of, of some of this work and some of the reaction that they were even getting.
1: Yeah, it was um, fascinating for me as a, in researching these stories mm, starting about 20 years ago uh, to find out uh, people who had either written uh, memoirs about their work with the WPA. Um, but one was that was particularly vivid was uh, a woman named Anzia Yazerska. Um, she had, uh, she came from uh, a Russian Jewish family in New York on the Lower East Side, and she had actually had enjoyed some publishing success in the 1920s with novels about the immigrant experience. And then the crash came and um, her prospects were gone, and she um, had all her publishing contacts turned away from her. And she, ta- she writes about that humiliation of how people would avoid seeing her because they realized that, um, that she needed work, her old contacts. Um, she, talked about, she wrote about uh, hearing about the announcement of the WPA Writers Project, both getting excited about it and initially and then going down to applying for it and finding the kind of uh, um, long lines and the bureaucracy around getting a slot with the Writers Project. At the same time, she writes about uh, when she did get on the project, how it felt to reconnect with other writers who were also um, finding a way back to some kind of work and and getting these instructions of doing research on, um, on the history of New York City. So she describes getting a, the assignment to go to the New York Public Library and look up uh, some of the local histories and just becoming lost in those uh, old books, uh, and then f- uh, also researching the history of, uh, of and the experience of Central Park. So it, it was a, a kind of a roller coaster for a number of them uh, in terms of the excitement of actually a chance to document um, American life and use skills that they had, but also feeling uh, unappreciated and feeling the public uh, pushback uh, at the same time. Many of them didn't talk about these experiences for years afterwards, because um, even apart from the shame of the depression and what many people felt, then uh, after World War II there was, of course, um, there was a lot of uh, um, tarring of the New Deal projects with uh, the Red uh, Scare brush. at the ceiling that gave. You know, if you had been on WPA, you know, you were probably a communist sympathizer. So uh, and during the uh, Anti communist push, particularly of the 1940s um, and early 50s, uh, there was uh, a lot of people not putting that on their resume. People, uh, former WPA workers, said they often um, did not get jobs because or lost jobs because they had that mm. experience.
0: Well, you mentioned Richard Wright and, of course, the author of the book Native Son. His work was controversial at the time of the publishing of Native Son, but the work during the Federal Writers Project was indeed controversial as well. There was a Citizens Committee that reviewed much of this work, as I understand it from my research. Maybe tell us a little bit about the Citizens Committee, what they did, and particularly what they did with some of the controversial works, because it, it was a little harsh.
1: Yes, and there were a number of, actually, committees, both at the state levels, um and then there was the uh, um, there was a congressional committee, uh, the uh, House Committee for Un-American Activities that was led by Texas Congressman Martin Dyes. So he interviewed a number of uh, people from across the New Deal arts agencies, um, and it really made the um, his hearings were very much. Uh, Kind of staged events. He was sort of a model for Joseph McCarthy's hearings uh, later. Um, and so the the idea that there were uh, um, communists or socialist sympathizers on the New Deal projects were uh, a way of, of making people scared of those. At a more, uh, at the state level, there were committees um, like in Massachusetts reviewing the state guidebooks that came out and uh, criticizing where they felt. There were um, uh, exaggerations or uh, priorities that were uh, didn't fit with what they imagined, um, and that, for example, that uh, they thought like a Bunker Hill uh, should get more, uh, the Battle of Bunker Hill should get more attention, uh, and that uh, Sacco and Vanzetti trials of of anarchists in the nineteen twenties, uh, which got mentioned in the guide, should get uh, much less. So there was local censorship in, at the state level of, of these guidebooks, uh, even though a number of the you know, many of the guidebooks were local bestsellers because they did document local histories um, and places that people knew uh, in ways that they had never seen in books before. Um, so you have in Nebraska, for example, a route from uh, Omaha uh, up through uh, along the eastern part of the state uh, documenting Landmarks and forts and uh, communities that had never seen themselves in print, um, but there were other committees uh, later um, that uh, reviewed um, the New Deal arts work, the public murals that were in post offices and um, and schools, and so for example, there was a, a in the Flowers School in Chicago, um, there was a, a mural dedicated to uh, great women uh, of America. And, uh, and um, it, it featured people like Francis Perkins, the, um, the secretary of labor under Roosevelt. Well, uh, just a year or two after the, the mural was finished, uh, a local committee found that as a, a radical thing. They included unions that were uh, deemed uh, radical. And so they actually had the mural uh, painted over um, it was later restored, decades later. Um, but that kind of uh, local critique of finding this is not what we're uh, want to support um, still comes through now. Uh, so even last year, uh, because of different context, it shows different things. So in last year, uh, the San Francisco uh, uh, school board uh, looked at a uh, mural from the WPA era Uh, From the WPA art project, and looked at it. It showed uh, George Washington um, surrounded by um, enslaved people and people, Native Americans who were being um, uh, treated brutally. And it uh, it found that this was inappropriate to have in a school, and so they voted to have it removed from public view. So there were. It's it's quite a fascinating to see over time. It's not just uh, an isolated incident of how Americans uh, respond to representations of American history um but it's it's kind of an ongoing uh, discussion in the art uh, in public art
0: mhm yes ongoing indeed and, and I think ongoing even to this day I watched your documentary Soul of a People I found that online we'll put uh, uh links up to where people can find that documentary I I really enjoyed it I thought it was revealing I thought it was fascinating it's so so well made David A Taylor the book of course um, the WPA Writers Project uncovers Depression America is a companion to the documentary but I did feel and did note in in some of my research how much the film Soul of a People parallels some of what we're seeing today we we need the arts and the arts can perhaps bring us. Uh, out of some of these things that uh, we're we're experiencing now. I wonder if you you see the same parallels if you see that, uh, you know, we're still, you know, kind of fighting some of these same battles. And if we uh, are going to experience them in some of the same ways that uh, Douglas Brinkley did you, you referred to his wonderful quote too about uh, optimism being the oxygen of the United States.
1: Yes, and I'm so glad you got to uh, see the film and that you'll share the link. Uh, mm-hmm. I, uh, that was directed mm-hmm. by Andrea Kalin, and she did a, a wonderful job. I think the documentary does help to show, um, it, it won a number of awards. It helps to show exactly that tension between um, uh, kind of celebrating American history and recognizing the uh, reckoning with um, the injustices and, and the dark points of, of our history. Uh, even though um, there were only, uh, for example, our history with race came out uh, in a number of both the guidebooks and the works of the writers themselves. Even though less than 4% of WPA writers were African-American, um, those who got uh, positions and, uh, and the opportunity there uh, figured large in American culture. And so you have someone like uh, Richard Wright, Uh, Making a passionate um, statement about the uh, what the experience of African Americans it has been uh, and the oppression that they have and injustice they have faced Uh, in a in a book of uh, WPA writers after hours work he uh, he had an uh, an essay. About um, what it means to be living with jim Crow, uh, that uh, that whole regime of oppression that that he grew up with and that endured for uh, for centuries. Um, and uh, the the violence uh, involved in it. and we we are still reckoning with that, as you say. he uh, uh, he was a, a, a clear voice saying, recognizing that what was not really appreciated up to then, that really the test of the American way is how it treats uh, African-Americans and uh, other uh, marginalized communities, other communities that have have faced uh, the, the, the really repressive uh, aspects of, uh, of the culture and of, of the laws and, and how they've been enforced. So we are still reckoning with that. We can find in what they uh, experienced, what they voiced, I think, a, a lot to give us a uh, context for how long this uh, fight is and has been and what how embedded it is in uh, American life.
0: Excellent. David A. Taylor will be presenting at Smithsonian Associates Creativity in Dark Times Artists and Writers of the New Deal, the title of David A. Taylor's book is the Soul of a People the WPA Writers Project uncovers Depression America title of David A Taylor's documentary is Soul of a People we're going to put links up to where you can find information about the Smithsonian presentation David Taylor's book the documentary all of this really wonderful powerful material thank you for your time I'm really going to encourage my audience to uh, attend this event I think it's going to be I think it's going to be wonderful I think it's really a uh, meaningful and uh, timely presentation. But thank you for your time, for your generous time. Thanks for reading. And thanks for spending so much time answering our questions today.
1: Oh, thanks, Paul. It's been a pleasure. And I really do uh, look forward to the conversation uh, at the event also.
0: My thanks to David A. Taylor, who will be presenting at Smithsonian Associates Creativity in Dark Times, Artists and Writers of the New Deal via Zoom. Please check out our website for more details on the Zoom event. My thanks to the Smithsonian team for all they do to support the show. And my thanks to you, my wonderful Not Old Better Show audience. Please remember to practice safe social distancing, be healthy and well, and let's talk about better. The Not Old Better Show. Thanks, everybody.